Well, good morning, Abundant Life Church. How are you doing? I am so happy to see all of you. I hope you're doing well. You look beautiful. It's good to be here. Good to be back after being gone for a couple of weeks. We got in last night about 1030. And so I'm going to sit and teach today. But uh, I'm excited uh, to, that you're here. And I'm excited for the series that we're going to start today on the 23rd Psalm called The Lord Is. This is an amazing passage of scripture. And, and so I'm excited to share it with you. You know, we had a great time uh, on this, this trip, and we got to see yet another part of the beautiful world that God has created in Costa Rica. Had the opportunity to speak at a, a little church of about 45 people who are ministering to the poorest of the poor in San Jose, and uh, it was just great. It was just good. But it's good to be back with you guys as well. It's just always fun to worship together, and you guys sound good, you look good, and um, <clears throat> thanks for being here today. Um, <clears throat> I'm fighting my throat just a little bit. It just started this morning. I actually felt fine, but uh, just kind of fighting just a little bit. But we'll be okay. We'll be all right. The Lord is my shepherd. Uh, this, this passage of Scripture is so loved by people, people who know virtually nothing about the Bible. They know this part, don't they? People who've memorized none of the Bible, many have memorized this part of the Bible. It's so loved and so cherished by many people. I, I would say I probably have used this passage of Scripture in 80% of the funeral services that I've preached because people cling to it in their death. And, you know, we're not sure who wrote it. Commentators, they, actually, they differ uh, over when it was written. They knew David wrote it, but when it was written... Uh, some think that David was just a teenager when he wrote this and maybe out tending his father's sheep one afternoon and just sitting back and reflecting as a teenager um, in, in his time what it maybe have done. And, and maybe the thought crossed his mind, you know, the Lord is, is my shepherd. And, and you can picture that. You, you can picture maybe David doing that. Or you can picture David coming to the end of his life, I mean, in the latter years of his life, and reflecting back over, over how God had guided him and Maybe he's looking out across a pasture with sheep or whatever, and, and he writes this, this fantastic passage of Scripture where he reflects over the fact that God is my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, and he guides me, and, and he leads me, and he writes this beautiful passage of Scripture that we have come to love so much, uh, a, a passage of Scripture where the primary metaphor here is shepherding sheep. And most of us here don't live in an agrarian society. We don't live in an agricultural, pastoral society. Um, but, but we can understand a shepherd. And we can understand a sheep because probably if we identify with any animal, it's probably a sheep. And I'm not trying to offend anybody, but, but I think you'll agree with me as we, as we even learn about sheep as we go through this. And, and so in order for us to really gain some context, let's talk a little bit about, about the actual context of this passage of Scripture. You know, shepherds haven't really changed much over the centuries since David wrote this psalm. If you're a picture of shepherds, probably just about what you see up here. I took a picture almost identical to this. I didn't take this one but because I took one almost identical. It wasn't clear enough, so I found this one on the Internet. And I've been to Israel numerous times, and this picture, actually, the one I would have taken was on a drive from Israel to Jordan, and a shepherd crossed the road with his sheep, and he had the long flowing robe and, and the sandals, the loose-fitting sandals, and the typical, you know, tools of the trade, uh, a 
a rod and a staff. Every so often now, you might see a shepherd in these days might have an, an additional weapon of a rifle of some sort, and maybe an old mule could be replaced by a four-by-four, four, and some of them maybe exchange robes for uh, bib overalls or maybe blue jeans or something like that. But for the most part, they're, they're pretty much the same. Shepherding is a 24-7 job. It's a 24-7 job. They have to go to sleep with one eye open and two ears open because they have to continually watch for the safety of the sheep. They have to continually listen for the restlessness, if there's any restlessness among the sheep because they're always having to watch them. They have no other occupation than, than just shepherding sheep because they, they care for the, for the health and the safety of the sheep. Most of them work alone. They work by themselves, and so loneliness is a big deal for a shepherd. In fact, they are known to be sheeped which means to go insane from the loneliness and the craziness of being with sheep. I mean, stop and think, but how would you like to be with sheep 24-7? And so it's just crazy. To me, all sheep look alike. When you say that if you've seen one sheep, you've seen them all, I, w I would say so. I mean, they, they all look the same to me, but not to an experienced shepherd. An experienced shepherd could actually pick out one sheep out of a thousand, which, by the way, a thousand sheep is called a band. And, and so a shepherd in five minutes' time could easily pick out one sheep just by the way it tilts its head or the sounding of the, of the bleeding of its voice, the way it kind of walks and moves. They know exactly where it lies down. They know if it wanders off. They, they know they can tell the, that the sheep is sick. Anybody want to guess how? The dung, okay, the poop, okay, if you look at it, they can, they can tell if, if it's, you know, if it's sick or not. And, and so shepherds haven't really changed much over the years. And, uh, and guess what? Sheep have changed even less, okay? They're as dumb as they ever were, okay? The sheep get a lot of negative press, right? And, and rightfully so. They're not the brightest animals on the planet. How many of you have ever seen a sheep in a circus? <laughs> okay, you know, I rest my case, okay? They, they spend much of their time just munching on grass, okay? They go from one clump to another just munching on grass, and the only way they can digest the grass is when they lie down. The problem is they won't ever lie down. And so they have to be made to, to lie down so that they can digest the grass. And then if one of them ever falls and rolls over, you know, guess what? It can't get up. By itself, and, and so they're defenseless kind, kind of animals. They can't see well. They can't swim. Uh, they're pretty much defenseless against all predators. Uh, they, they don't know the difference between poisonous and non-poisonous plants. And as I was thinking about reading about uh, sheep, I got to thinking, it sounds a lot like me, you know? Before I had eye surgery, I couldn't see well. I couldn't even read the big E on the chart. Now, since I've had eye surgery, I'm, I'm a little better off. I've never been a fighter. I've been in one fight in my entire life. I've taken karate, but I'm pretty much defenseless if anybody chooses to attack me, you know? I know I look tough, but I'm not really that, that tough. And, and I don't know how to swim, and, and I don't know the difference between poisonous and non-poisonous plants. And so I think I'm just about as dumb as, as a sheep. Okay, it just sounds like me. They inherently are followers, okay? The, if the lead sheep goes off of a cliff, then guess where all the other sheep go? They seriously, they go off the cliff. You'd think one of them would be smart enough to say, wait, wait, stop, stop. I read a, a story that actually came out of Istanbul, uh, Turkey, actually eastern Turkey, and uh, where a bunch of sheep, hundreds of them, followed the lead sheep off a cliff. Now, 
The bad news is 400 of them fell 50 feet to their death. Okay, that's the bad news. <laughs> okay, you want to know the good news? The good news is they broke the fall of the 1,100 more that followed them. And what had happened was the shepherd had taken a little break and went to have breakfast with some fellow shepherds. And in the process of his breakfast, the sheep, all of them, off a cliff, it cost farmers $74,000. Okay, that was an expensive breakfast, okay? So, so, you know, but for all the bad press they get, you know, sheep, um, they're fun, they're, they're humorous, they're fun to watch. In fact, there's some shepherds in New Zealand, uh, I have a little video I want to show you, that I think probably had way too much time on their hands. And so take a look, and I think you'll enjoy this. Okay, who said sheep are stupid, okay? Hey, those are some pretty smart sheep right there. Okay, so, you know, shepherds, they, they haven't changed much, and uh, sheep have changed even less. But here's the good news. Uh, Jesus, the Lord, hasn't changed at all. Isn't that good? It's just good to know that, that our Lord, our shepherd, has not changed at all. 3,000 years 4,000 years, has, has made no difference to him whatsoever. And that's one of the reasons the 23rd Psalm is still the best known and probably the most loved chapter in the Bible. That's why we memorize it as children. That's why we fall in love with it as adults. That's why we cling to it in our death. And so we're going to take the next seven weeks and we're going to explore the 23rd Psalm. And we're just going to kind of pick it apart piece by piece and, and look at this and, and learn about, about this, this amazing shepherd um, who is our shepherd. And, and so today, we want to begin with just that first phrase, just that opening phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. I want you to say that for just a moment. Just, just repeat after me. The Lord is my shepherd. Say that. And say it one more time. The Lord is my shepherd. Yeah, the Lord is my shepherd. I want you to let that sink in uh, as, we, as we go through this and, and talk about this. The Lord. The Lord. Who is he? And, and what qualifies him to be my shepherd? Why should I follow him? You know, what are his qualities? What are his characteristics? What are his attributes? The Lord. Who is he? Circle the word the. The. The reason I'm having you circle that is because the definite article that's used in the language is used to designate uniqueness. In other words, it's one of a kind, a one of a kind God. There is no comparison. He's incomparable. You know, sheep will only follow one shepherd. Sheep will only follow one shepherd. And one shepherd is all they need. If you can draw the parallel, one God is all you need. You see, the Hebrews were monotheistic. 
in, in a world and in a culture that was surrounded by nations that had many, many gods. Egypt, for example, had over 300 gods. And so the Hebrews were definitely distinct and they were set apart because they only had one God, Jehovah. Jehovah. So let's talk about that. What is his name? Lord. Lord. That's, that's his personal name. It's his personal name. It's the name that God gave to Moses when Moses asked him to identify himself. It appears for the first time in Exodus chapter 3 and then some 4,000 times after that in the pages that follow. It's his personal name. It's transliterated Jehovah. Jehovah. And you've heard that. Most of you here, you've heard that. Uh, it, it's transliterated Jehovah. It appears uh, in the Bible as Lord. Whenever you see the word Lord in all capital letters, okay, that's this word right here, all capital letters. In the Hebrew, there are three primary names for God. The first one is Elohim. Elohim. Uh, and it means to uh, be a strong creator. And the name Elohim is actually in the plural, which is very interesting because when in Genesis, when it says, then God said, let us make man in our image, the, the name for God there is Elohim. And it's the plural. And you might wonder, well, what's, what's that mean? Well, what it signifies and what it teaches us is the plurality of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us make man, when God said, let us make man in our image. A second primary name for God is Adonai, Adonai, and it's translated simply Lord. And then the third and the most common name for God, however, is the one that's used here in the 23rd Psalm, Jehovah. And I love this name for God because the name combines three tenses of the verb to be. And this is very interesting. This is what we know and this is what we love about God. This is what we know and love about the shepherd. It combines these three tenses of the verb to be, uh, the future, the present, and the past, okay? Yah is he will be, so that's, that's the future. Hove is he is, that's the present tense, and ah is the past tense, he was. And so what does all of this mean? That signifies that he is the God who was and is and is to be. That's who he is. He's the eternal one. So it means I am who I am. That's, that's what he means. He's the self-existent one. In other words, uh, he's the one who is, um, whose existence depends upon no one or nothing else. Nothing else. He's not confined by the boundaries of time, nor is he limited by his very own creation. I am who I am. The Jews in Jesus' day knew exactly what Jesus was saying when he made the statement, before Abraham was, I am. Remember when Jesus said that? What Jesus was, in fact, saying was the flesh and blood person you see standing before you, the Jesus you see standing before you, is the same as the Jehovah God you know about in the Old Testament. And so he was very, very clearly saying I am. He was using this name, and he was declaring himself to be the Jehovah of the Old Testament. But stop and think about it for just a moment. Think about the awesomeness of this God. We, we, think, we, we sing today, How Great Thou Art. What a fantastic song. 
how great thou art. How awesome is he? How awesome is this, this shepherd? Stop and think about this on a, on a, on kind of on a macro level. Our Milky Way has at least 200 billion stars in it. 200 billion stars. All told, astronomers estimate the number of stars in the observable universe is one with 24 zeros behind it. One with 24 zeros behind it. Now, I don't even know the name of that number. That's huge. Okay, let's just say it's big. It's mind-boggling. And so if if the chief shepherd can create and hold in place all of these stars, is it possible that he can guide and shepherd us, his sheep? And so you look at Psalm 19, verse 1 through 4. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the skies, they proclaim the work of his hands. I just enjoyed one evening when I was in um, Costa Rica just one night. I had some alone time just laying back and just looking up at all the stars in the sky. Just fantastic. And the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth his speech. And night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all of the earth and their words to the ends of the world. That's, that's God on a, on a macro level. What about a micro level? I mean, just bring it right down to the micro. Did you know that the caterpillar has 228 separate and distinct muscles in its head? In its head. Okay, that, I mean, again, absolutely amazing. That's a lot for a bug, okay? I mean, some of us could probably stand, you know, to have some of those. <laughs> Did you know that your heart, the heart that's beating, put your hand on your heart right now, you, maybe you feel it beating. Your heart generates enough pressure as it pumps blood throughout your body that it could squirt up to 30 feet. Okay, that means those of you sitting on the first couple of rows... It's a a nasty picture, isn't it? Okay. And don't try this at home, all right? (laughs) Have you ever thought about how diverse and how creative God is? I mean, he didn't have to make hundreds of kinds of bananas, did he? But he did. Hundreds of different kinds of bananas. He didn't have to put 3,000 different species of trees within one square mile in the Amazon jungle. But he did. And all of this, not to mention the incredible complexity of the human body. The typical human brain has 100 trillion synapses or connections. It's phenomenal when you stop and think about it. And it's, it's, it's amazing. And, and, I mean, we could literally just go on and on and on and talk about the diversity, to talk about the creativity, to talk about the sophistication of this, of this God. And when you stop and think about it, every single bit of that points to what? It points to his glory. It points to who he is. And all of this points to what he's done. But, but what's he like? I mean, all of this shows us what he's done, what he's capable of doing. But what's he like? What's, what's this God like? What are his characteristics? What are his defining attributes? Well, first off, he's holy. He's a holy God. He's set apart. He's distinct from us. And because of his set-apartness, there's no way you and I can, can properly define him. We can never properly fathom all of who he is. You know, to the Jews, to, to say something three times meant perfection, right? And so if, if, if you go to the book of Revelation, for example, and the angels are, are bowing down and they're saying, holy, 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 
They're saying over and over three times, three times, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. And what that's communicating is that he's perfectly set apart and that there is nothing or no thing that compares to him. His perfect holiness assures us that our words cannot contain him. Isn't it a comfort to know that you cannot over-exaggerate the shepherd? You can't over-exaggerate him. It doesn't matter what you say about him. It doesn't matter how you try to define him. You cannot over-exaggerate him. He's holy. He's eternal. He's eternal. What that means is he has not only walked through all of our yesterdays, lived in all of our todays, but he's already experienced all of our tomorrows. And guess what? He's made provision for all of that. That's amazing to me. He's, he's an eternal God. Some one or two says, but you, O Lord, you sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations, but you remain the same. And your years will never, ever end. He's eternal. He's all-knowing. He's omniscient. That's intimidating, isn't it? <laughs> to know that right now, he knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're, so some of you better not be thinking, I hope this is over soon, because he knows, he's hearing, he's, he sees that, he, he knows that. He knows, he's omniscient. Hebrews 4, 13 says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight, nothing. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Oh my gosh, that's intimidating. He's ever, he's, he's ever present. He's an ever-present God. He's omnipresent. The, the psalmist, again, captures this when in Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And the answer is nowhere. What, what kind of question is that? I forgot. Rhetorical. It's a rhetorical question. Where can I go from your presence, God? Nowhere. Where can I be where you can't see me? Nowhere, nowhere. He's an ever-present God. He is all-powerful. He's omnipotent. Paul in Colossians says, for by him all things were created. Everything was created by him, things in heaven and on earth. Stuff you can see, stuff you can't see, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him, and for him, he's all-powerful. He reports to no one. Sometimes people will, will say, you know, I, I wish I could just ask God. I just wish he would explain this to me. I, I would love to hear him give me an explanation for why this. To which I want to say, well, go ahead. Ask him. Ask him. But don't be surprised if you don't get an answer. Because guess what? He does not report to you. Okay, it's his universe. He created it. He makes the rules. Someday when you have your own universe, you, you make your rules. Okay, you be the God of your universe. Right now, he's God. He's in, in charge and he answers to no one. He's all powerful. And so ultimately, God is he's way beyond our comprehension. I can't even begin to explain who he is. He, can, he cannot be explained with our vocabulary. He cannot be grasped with our understanding. He cannot be contained in this world. And so in addition to all of this that I've just shared with you, let me give you three more reasons why the Lord has the right to lay claim to my life and to be my shepherd and to be your shepherd. 
Number one, he created me. He created you. Again, Psalm 139, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. When's the last time you stood before a mirror and said, you are fearfully and wonderfully made? You know, turn to the person sitting next to you and say, you are fearful. I mean, fearfully. <laughs> and they're wonder <laughs> wonderfully made. And, and you are, you're fearfully and you're wonderfully made. And he says, I, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, you saw, your eyes saw my unformed body. I mean, can you even get your mind around that? All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. People ask me, aren't you afraid to be traveling to all these places? No, because God already knows the day I'm going to die. You can take that theology wherever you want. I don't, I don't care. But he made me. He brought me into this world. He, he chose to create me. Why? It was a deliberate act of love and affection because he loves you. Of course, their sin um, breaks that relationship, doesn't it? And so guess what? He takes care of that too. Here's the second thing. He redeemed me. Not only did he create me, he's redeemed me. Isaiah 53, 6, I love this. All of us have strayed away like sheep. <laughs> We're stupid. We're dumb. Okay, we wander. We get lost. We have left God's path to, to follow our own. Can anybody here give a testimony? Okay. Yet, yet the Lord, there's the, there it is, yet Jehovah, the God who was, who is, and is to come, has laid on him the guilt and the sins of us all. Man, he redeemed me with his, with his blood of his one and only son, Jesus. And so that entitles Jesus to be able to say what he says in John 10, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep, and you are his sheep. Here's number three. He's coming back for me. That gives him the claim to my life. He's coming back for me. John 14. Why don't you read this verse with me? Some, uh, John 14, 2 and 3. Here we go. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. That gives him claim to you. The Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. I want you to say the Lord is my shepherd, and I want you to put the emphasis on my. Go ahead. Do it one more time. The Lord is my shepherd. You see, that changes things. That changes things. That, that, that gives a whole new meaning to, to, to this verse and, and to this psalm. Psalm 23 has only six verses in it. And in these six verses are contained no less than 17 personal pronouns. And the first one is in this phrase right here. The Lord is my shepherd. I mean, just one word, one syllable, two letters changes everything. Because if it read, the Lord is a shepherd. That's true, isn't it? But it doesn't have near the meaning. The Lord is the shepherd. 
Well, that's also accurate, but it doesn't have the meaning. But when you change it, the Lord is my shepherd. Now it becomes extremely personal. He's more than just a shepherd. He's my shepherd. And he knows me intimately. He knows me intimately. He knew me before I was born. He shaped me in my mother's womb. He gave me my personality. He knows my name. He knows my needs. He knows my desires. He knows my thoughts. Even before I think them, he knows my words. Even before I speak them, he knows my actions. Even before I perform them. He's counted each hair on my head. (laughs) And he also knows their original color. (laughs) He knows my height. He knows my weight. He knows my blood pressure, my heartbeat, the sound of my sneeze, the sins I've committed, the ones I will commit. He keeps a record of all of my tears. He remembers the date of my birth, and he already knows the date of my death, and he's made provision for that. The Lord is my shepherd, my shepherd. I told you a moment ago, I think, maybe I didn't, but a thousand sheep is a band of sheep, and and a shepherd can pick out one sheep and and a thousand in five minutes easily. Guess what my shepherd can do? He can pick out one sheep in seven billion instantly. The Lord is my shepherd. And so this this shepherd has claimed my life. and, And so Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. And so I want you to write this down because all of this kind of moves us to this place. To claim the Lord as my shepherd, it's a supreme act of faith, okay? And it's a step that some of you need to take today. You you need to take the step of faith and you need to claim Jesus as your shepherd and make the decision to follow him. That's a supreme act of faith, okay? But I want you to take it to another place to be claimed, okay? Let's turn the tables just a little bit. To be claimed, by the Lord as his sheep is the ultimate act of grace. That he would choose you, that he would create you, that he would love you, that he would forgive you, that he would redeem you. That is the ultimate act of grace. And it's sobering to me to realize that this same God, this holy, this eternal, this omnipresent, this omniscient, this all-powerful God claims you and claims me as his sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. Jehovah Roe. That's the word. The Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah Roe. Of all the names of Jehovah, this is probably the most intimate of the names. It's the most intimate of terms when Jehovah claims us and we claim him as our shepherd. Because, shep- because sheep, just they, they don't and they can't take care of themselves. They just can't. And so we need a shepherd to, to help us. So what's the shepherd do? What's the shepherd, what's the Lord do for you? Well, at least three things. A shepherd provides. A shepherd provides the basic necessities of life, food, water, shelter. A shepherd provides the very air you're breathing right now. If it wasn't for the Lord, your shepherd, you'd be dead, 
okay? A shepherd guides. He leads the way. A lot of you, even, even though you may not know it in the moment, you can look back over the course of your life and you can see how God guided you, right? And, and he leads you. And there are times where you don't even recognize it and you don't even know it. And I think the more we get to know this shepherd, the more we begin to live our life in such a way that you don't worry so much and you don't get all anxious about stuff, but you, you live your life and you trust God because you know that he's leading you. Okay, as, as, because you know he's guiding you as you're, as you're looking to him. And we'll talk about that in a second. A shepherd protects. He defends against enemies. How many of you have enemies that, that you need defending against? You know, we all do. We all do. It could be relational. It could be financial. It could be health. But he defends against. Isaiah 40, he tends his flock like a shepherd. Now, here's the million-dollar question for all of you today as I bring this to a close. Is the Lord your shepherd? Is the Lord your shepherd? Because he created you, and he made it possible for you to be redeemed, and he loves you, and he is coming back. But the Lord cannot be your shepherd until the shepherd is your Lord. You have to understand that. The, the Lord, he cannot be your shepherd because he's not going to make you follow him. You see, what's interesting, the difference between the way Western shepherds lead sheep and eastern shepherds lead sheep you know the difference between them a western shepherd if they wanted to get sheep into a pen you know what they would do they would get behind the sheep and drive them into the pen that's what a western shepherd would do an eastern shepherd would go into the pen and call the sheep and they would come jesus is not going to drive you to him now he'll do a lot to to you know chase after you and pursue you but he's not going to make you follow him. He just won't. But I do know this. He will call you to follow him. And he's calling some of you today to follow him. In fact, some of, he's calling some of you to follow him and to make that decision for the very first time. For others of you, um, you've wandered off the path, and, and we do. We're, we're sheep. Raise your hand if you're a sheep and you wander off the path. And, and so we need to be recalled. You know, get back over here, George. George, get back over here. Follow me. Follow me. And so he's calling you. And so in John chapter 10, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep, they know me. My sheep listen to my voice, and they follow me. Circle those words, know, listen, and follow. I want you to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus more. I want to grow into a greater, deeper relationship with him. I want to listen more to what he has to say, and I really want to follow him more closely and keep my eyes on him. And so here's a simple question. How then do I make the Lord my shepherd? It's easy. John chapter 1, verse 12. I want you to read this with me. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Do you really belong to him? If you do, then you can say with great gratitude, as David the psalmist did, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm going to ask if you'd bow your head. And as we close out today, if you've never chosen Jesus as your shepherd, you've never 
accepted his invitation to follow him. And that's what you want to do today. I invite you to pray this prayer with me. And some of you maybe have wandered a little bit and you need to get back on the path. I would invite you to pray this prayer with me also and allow this to be an opportunity to recommit to following closely, to listening to your shepherd. So repeat this after me. Father in heaven, I thank you for Jesus. Jesus, I acknowledge that you are the good shepherd, that you love me, you created me, you know me, and you want the best for me. I choose to follow you today. Forgive me when I wander off the path, but today I choose to follow you. Would you be my Savior and Lord? Would you be my good shepherd? I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.